0: Uh, there's a video that's floating around on Facebook, maybe some of you have seen it, and it's this video, uh, obviously in Africa, um, full of these African children, and it's uh, a video of them kind of huddled over a box, and uh, and they're ripping apart this box, and pieces of this box are just flying, and, and the joy that's emanating from these children is they're receiving something, and, and you can't wait, and the video kind of gets in the middle of this box and one by one children are reaching in and kind of fighting so that they can grab what's in there and what's in there it's God's word it's this right here it's translations of the bible and the the video pans away to one boy as he's leaping up and down holding this book over his head and he says finally I can read God's word for myself can you imagine the joy that comes from receiving a book, right? We give books to our children and they go, oh, Christmas time, it's coming up and they're going to get books. And, oh, a book, yuck. But what how do we treat our Bibles? What do you do, right? I, I Some of you, for the first time this week, you grabbed your Bibles, you were coming in, you left it in your truck and that's where it stays. I mean, that's kind of how we treat our Bibles and maybe it's because we're so used to having Bibles around. I have um, stacks of Bibles. I get lots of Bibles. People like to give me Bibles as presents. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, oftentimes, when I get a Bible as a present, I'm finding opportunities to give that Bible away, um, not because I don't like it, but because I have so many of them. But but we have this unfortunate familiarity with God's Word that we treat it with contempt so often. But here's the thing: it's only in the Scriptures, and God has said that it's only in the Scriptures that we actually do come face to face with not just the justice and the righteousness of our creator, but also his love for us. So we need to read our scriptures and take them seriously and uh, and understand their importance because it's in the scriptures that we actually understand how it is that we're saved. We're going to look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses... 14 through 17, hear God's good and kind word to you today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, And for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help in understanding this word. Pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. We thank you that this is your word, that you have given it power. And in it, we can see and read about the glory of your son, Jesus Christ who is our salvation. We pray that the Holy Spirit would be at work speaking to us, transforming us, conforming us to your image through the word. Lord, I pray that you would give us a sense of its importance, of its joy, of its goodness. And I pray that you would help us to appreciate it and give it its proper place in our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So this morning, uh, very quickly, I want to see this in three ways. First of all, Paul gives to Timothy a command to obey. So first, a command to obey. Secondly, we're going to see the reasons to obey. And then thirdly, the results of obedience. So a command to obey, first and and foremost. Verse 14, look again. Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in what you have learned you have learned. Now Timothy is a youngish, younger type of pastor. He's maybe in his 40s beginning his ministry uh, maybe around the time of his 30s. He's been doing this for a while. Paul is writing this to Timothy knowing that he is about to be executed and he wants to really hammer home to Timothy the things that are of the most importance to Timothy in his ministry. Now young pastors need a lot of advice. I constantly am asking older pastors and men who have been in the faith for a, a long time, how do you do certain things? How do you talk about certain things? How do you address difficult situations with members of your uh, of the congregation? What do you do to be a pastor? And I need lots of advice and no doubt Timothy needed lots of advice as well. But Paul doesn't merely give Timothy advice. He gives him a command. And it's as if he's telling Timothy right here that this is vital for your ministry. If you neglect this, then all the rest of it doesn't matter. Continue in what you have learned. Well, what has Timothy learned? He's learned the scriptures. Look down in verse 15 and how from childhood. uh, Actually, a better word there than childhood is from infancy. From your youngest days, you have been acquainted with with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And so what Paul says to Timothy is the command that you need is to continue in the sacred writings, the word of God, the Old Testament. Notice here that Timothy's Bible was the Old Testament. He did not have the New Testament in its, in, in, in its form that we have it today. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is study your Old Testament. Know your Old Testament. You know that your parents or your mom and your grandmother, um, Lois and Eunice, you can read about them earlier in the book, that they were the ones that taught you these things. And so the command to Timothy is they taught you these things from your youth, from your youngest days, continue in these things. That's the command to Timothy, that's the command to pastors, that's the command to you and I as well. We are to continue to study the scriptures. Look in verse 15, he says this, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't merely say that they can do these things, but that they will do these things. Why? Because they are powerful, the scriptures are are powerful that little word able there is the word dunamis and that's where we get our word dynamite think about the power of dynamite and so when paul is looking at timothy and he says they are powerful to make you wise for salvation that there is power in the book that there is power in the word of god god's word is his power to create life in us And also to create life from death. We need God's word because we need life. We are dead people without it. To neglect God's word is to neglect God's power. Timothy would be worried as a young pastor about a lot of things. Um, in this day and age, when the Christian church is being persecuted, much like our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East are being persecuted, he would be wondering, how do you keep people together? How do you continually keep people united in the faith? There would be temptations and trials and all sorts of things. Things, uh, they would be... The, People would come to them and say, if you do not recant of your faith in Christ Jesus and say that Caesar is Lord, then we will kill you. Just like today in Iraq, where people are being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says to Timothy, continue in the faith. Continue to study and preach and teach the word of God. Timothy, if you want to know how to keep people together, if you want to know how to keep people unified, Timothy, if you want to know how to keep people pure Stay with the Word of God. Pay attention to it. It's the most important thing. Well, what about us? What about us as a church? Let's think about that very briefly. What should be our priority? Um, churches are doing lots of different things. Buddy, every week, he'll bring me the Eat, Pray, Live section of the Advocate. And, um, and he does that, I think, for my encouragement, um, even though both of us are greatly discouraged by the things that we read about There, because it'll tell you about all the various things that churches are doing. Evangelical churches, Catholic churches, Orthodox churches, uh, all of these various things. And very rarely will you actually read about churches that do this, that stick to and preach the word of God. They'll do things like open used car lots and open daycares and all kinds of maybe good things, but things that are not vital to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy, stick to the word of God, read the word of God, continue in the word of God. And as a church, that's what we need to be about as well. Let me just encourage you in that. Two, stick with the word of God. I want you to encourage me to preach the word of God. And if you hear me deviating at all from the scriptures, you need to be reminding me that I need to preach the word of God. You need to be going to the elders and the deacons and reminding them of that. Even as they need to be reminding you that we stick to the word of God. We need to be encouraged to do that as a church. Um, What about you, though, as an individual? What is your driving passion? What do you think about in the morning whenever you wake up? What do you go to bed thinking about at night? Is the word of God central in your life? Paul says that it's powerful. Do you want power in your life? Do you want to be able to do certain things, to live righteously, to live good? Well, here it is. Here's the power. But more than that, it's able to actually save you. Have you recognized the fact that you need saving, that you are a mess, that your life is a mess? And the only place where you get an answer for the mess of your life is the Word of God. That's where you go to. You can come to me and ask me advice about a lot of different things, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you back to the Word of God and say, Here is the truth back to the word of God. I told the the children a minute ago, guess what? This is the same word that we've had for 2,000 years. Praise the Lord for that. It's the same word in the Old Testament they've had for thousands of years before that. It has not changed. We can be, uh, at some point we're going to have to do uh, a whole lesson on why it is we can trust our scriptures. Just know that men and women have given themselves over Uh, to the study of this word to make sure that it is the word of God that we can trust it. And not only that, throughout the ages, men and women are giving their life for for us so that we know and we can have this word of God. So that's the first thing we see, that this is a command for us to obey. Secondly, we are given reasons to obey, starting in verse 16. Paul gives two reasons. First, he says that the Bible is breathed out by God. And secondly, he says it's profitable. First, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. The little word that's used there, breathed out, it's the only place in all of the Bible that this word is used. And it literally means God's breath. God's breath. Now, a lot of your translations will say that the word of God is inspired. And that is a good word to use in its old meaning. Unfortunately, what we tend to do when we talk about something that's inspired or inspiring, we're reflecting more on what something does to our hearts, the subjective experience that we have. And so uh, through the 19th and 20th century, liberal scholars took this and they said, yeah, the Bible is inspired in that it inspires me to do certain things. Well, that's not what Paul means here. He's not saying that it is inspiring to us, even though it may be that. But it's actually the old meaning that it is inspirited. That is, that the Spirit of God actually wrote this. That's why we confess that the Spirit spoke by the prophets. Who are the prophets? The prophets were the writers of the Old and the New Testament. And so Paul says, obey because this is God's. Breathed, God-inspired. And there are two pictures that Paul is actually going back to, both of them, in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, uh, you don't have to turn there, but you'll remember this, that Genesis 1, what is it the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep? Well, the Holy Spirit, the word spirit, is the word wind. It can also mean breath. And what is the Holy Spirit doing as he's hovering over the face of the deep? He is imparting life. And right after you read that, you read that God said, let there be light. And so when Paul says that the Bible is inspired by God, that it is God's breath, it's the same breath and the same power that spoke something into existence from nothing. That God created something from nothing. That's the first picture that he wants us to understand. That the same power and that kind of creation is the power here in this book. And then secondly, in Genesis chapter 2, when God did the special creation of Adam, when he formed him out of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed life into Adam. That's the breath of God giving him life where there was no life before. So what do we understand by this? That Paul says, here's why you need to read it, because God's word is life-giving. In the same way that he created something out of nothing, in the same way that he created life where there was no life, God's word gives us life. But then secondly, he says that it's profitable. Um, Look in verse 16. And all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Um, this word profitable, that's taken from the business sector. If you um, are a businessman, of course you understand how this works. You want something to be profitable. But all of us, in some form or another, we have investments, and we want our investments to be profitable. And this is what Paul is saying. This is a practical thing, that we need to, we need to read God's word because it is profitable to us. It is valuable. It is beneficial. It is useful In a world where we want things to be practical and useful, there's nothing more practical or useful to us than reading the life-giving word of God. What is it profitable to do? Paul gives four things. Let's look very quickly at them. Verse 16. First of all, for teaching. Some of your translations will say for doctrine. That dirty old word, doctrine, that none of us like. Ugh, doctrine. It sounds like something that you get phlegm in your mouth just saying it. It's just this terrible old word, but but guess what? In order for us to be Christians, we have to believe certain things. We have to know certain things. Doctrine is not a dirty word. It is a beautiful word because we read about in the scriptures the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ, of Him incarnating God becoming man, Him living a perfect life for us, and how it is that we're saved through His life, death, and resurrection. There is no Christianity if you neglect Doctrine And so, first of all, the, the Bible is useful for teaching, for doctrine. It teaches us about who God is and who we are. God is good and pure and holy and just and loving. And we are impure and sinful and we deserve his wrath. And we learn about the way in which God loves us by sending his son. Secondly, it's for reproof. Some of your translations, again, will say rebuke. I like that word rebuke better because it sounds a little bit harsher. The Bible rebukes us. What does this mean? What is a rebuke? A rebuke is any time we're confronted. And what does the Bible confront us with? It confronts us with our sin. It exposes our sin. You cannot read the scriptures without being exposed. And that's exactly what God does in giving us life. He exposes our hearts. And he says, look at how far you have fallen from my glory. Look at who you really are. So in this, God gives us a reproof or a rebuke in his word. Thirdly, he gives us what what in my translation says a correction. Another way to translate it would be a restoration. That we have fallen short of his glory. That we have learned who God is. That we have fallen short of his glory. And now, what do we do? We are given the correction, the restoration that we need. Only that comes through Christ Jesus, that it's not about our good works and how good we are. Brothers and sisters, if you're here relying on your good works, if you think that one day you will stand before God and say, I am good enough, accept me because of what I've done, you have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ and you are in danger. Your soul is in danger. And here we're given the restoration that only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally, after we hear about the restoration, In Jesus Christ, we get the training in righteousness. This is uh, another way of saying sanctification, another big word that just means growing more and more by the grace of God to look more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, being conformed to his image. That is putting to death sin. This week on Wednesday, I got to uh, talk to the the teenagers uh, about killing sin And I use this graphic illustration of taking out a knife and stabbing sin in the heart. Well, the scripture does this for us. And it encourages us to be about the business of killing the sin that still remains in our heart. And it's very graphic. And we need to be about the business of mortifying sin in order to become more like Christ Jesus. So that's why the Bible is profitable to us. And only God's word can do this. In Luke chapter 16, write it down and go read this later. It's the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the poor man, and both of them die. And the rich man, because he didn't have faith in Christ, goes to hell and is in torment. And Lazarus is residing in Abraham's bosom, and Jesus is the one telling the story. And the rich man says, send Lazarus back or, or send somebody back to my brothers that they might not come to this place. And at the end of that parable, Jesus says in the parable, that they have the scriptures, the scriptures of the Old Testament. And if they will not listen to the scriptures of the Old Testament, they will not listen if somebody rises again from the dead. Only God's word can give us life. And only God's word is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. We look to all sorts of things to do this for us when only God's word can do it. Finally, very quickly, the results of obedience or the result of obedience look in verse 17 Paul says this that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work three things very quickly first of all the scriptures make us men and women of God that the man of God might be competent the scriptures make us men and women of God by changing who we are and it's through the scriptures God's means of grace to us that we actually get to know who God is we get to know who who we are, and our hearts are changed by his activity through the, the scriptures and learning the scriptures. The Bible changes us from children of wrath. Paul says, other places, that we are by nature children of wrath. But because of his word that comes through us, we are transferred from being children of wrath, suffering the wrath of God, into his kingdom of light and becoming God's children. The Bible makes us men and women of God. It also makes us a new community. We are gathered here at Faith Presbyterian Church to worship together because we believe this is the word of God. And it makes us a community of people that are united through the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only that, it unites us to the church universal, all of the saints that have come before us, that we have... uh, In Christ, we are united to all of them that have come before us who have put their faith in Christ. And not only that, we're united to other brothers and sisters this morning that are gathering around this same word. And what a great reminder to us that we are united through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, the Lord gives us a new purpose. Uh, I'm sorry, the Bible gives us a new purpose. It gives us meaning. I say it all the time. If you want to know what the purpose of your life is, I can give you that purpose. And the scriptures very clearly teach us that you have a purpose it's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's your purpose. So when you leave here, what should you be doing? You should be glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. That is your purpose. That's why you were created. The Bible gives us a purpose, it gives us a meaning. There's no such thing as a Christian who has no meaning. You have it. Wherever you are, wherever he has you, the Bible tells you you have a purpose to fulfill. And it gives you a work to do. We'll talk about more of that in just a second. Secondly, the Bible makes us competent. Competent. That's the word that's used here in my translation. And I really don't like that word, competent. Um, I'd love to be a competent pastor. All of you would love to be competent people. And you wake up every day and you go, I just feel so incompetent. I'm not ready for the things I have to do. Um, Well, that word kind of does, we don't really get the full meaning of it. I like the old King James translation of this. The old King James says that the word of God, that the man of God may be fully furnished, thoroughly furnished. And this is the idea that you are like an apartment that's been completely furnished out and finished on HGTV, Amy's gonna have a stroke. That I'm using this illustration. HGTV, it's it's the um, it's the channel that's all about decorating homes and fixing up homes and doing all of these things in your homes. And and I I don't like watching it, but we watch it from time to time. Because it just reminds me of all the things that I have to do in my house, and it just drives me crazy. But there's this one show where Joanna and Chris Gaines, they actually say, this is the tagline for their show, we help people buy the worst home in the best neighborhood to fix it up. But what they don't just do is they don't just redo the house. They actually go into a house, many of them that are dead houses, and they fix it up, they fix the structure, they fix the foundation they fix the walls, they do all of these things but then Joanna toward the end of the show she actually takes it and she remakes it and she furnishes the house so that it's thoroughly and completely furnished out and usable. Well that's what the word of God does, it makes us thoroughly furnished and equipped ready for the task at hand only God's word fully uh, furnishes us You know, in some old houses, um, some of you maybe have this. You have rooms in your home that no one is allowed to go in ever. Like the doors are closed and no one is ever allowed to go into that room. And what a waste. You have a home with space that, that is not being used. That's no, for Christians, that is not how it is. You have been made by God to be completely used, to be furnished. And that's the last thing we see, that the Bible equips us for good works, equipped for every good work. Um, I talk a lot about doctrine. I preach a lot of doctrine. And I remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that you're saved by your works. It's saved by the finished work of Christ for you. That's the good news. Uh, Sometimes what I fail to do, though, is tell you that you now have a responsibility and that you were created to do good works. You are fully furnished by God to be used for his good pleasure. There's no such thing as a lazy Christian. There's only disobedient ones. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called by God to do good works. We are called by God to show the world his grace and mercy by doing good things. Not for our salvation, but so that we can prove who he is and his goodness so that we can show it over and over and over again. Let me just encourage you, if you want to know ways that you can do this, well, Miss Linda White works with the homeless in Baton Rouge. Kenny has been on a board uh, for uh, medical missionaries in um, West Africa for years and years and years. If you want to know how you can help spread the gospel in Africa, go talk to Kenny. Uh, if you want to know how you can help people with special needs, Amy and I have been doing that since we've been married. Talk to us about that. There's lots of opportunities for you and I to be involved in missions both locally and foreign. And we need to be about doing good works. We've been called to do these things by God. Let me just close by saying this so that we can have our Lord's Supper. What if the Bible, all of our Bibles were gone today? Would it make a, would it make a difference in your life one way or the other? Let me encourage you to not just leave your Bibles in your trucks. Let me encourage you just to spend five minutes a day reading God's Word. Start there. It's a good start. Bring it out. Read it. Why? Because it gives, it's God's life-giving power to Christians and to non-Christians. Well, here in the Lord's Supper, let me connect it to the Lord's Supper. This is a word picture for us of what Christ has done for us. This is the Bible's message that Christ gave his life as a sacrifice for us so that we would not have to face god's wrath and here's the good news to us only unworthy sinners are called to partake in this meal if you know the lord jesus christ and know who you are you're invited to this meal let me pray for us and i'll invite the elders to come forward our father we thank you for giving us this word we thank you lord uh, that in it we have life i pray lord that you would encourage us to read it and to know it so that we can know you and see you face to face We pray now for this uh, supper that you've given us, that we would be encouraged by it, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.